Welcome to our weekly energy update with Investec Head of Commodities, Callum McPherson. Good morning, Callum. Good morning. Last week, we were talking about Brent breaking $100 per barrel. This morning, it came close to $140 per barrel. These are incredible moves. How has this come about so quickly? Well, the bottom line is that Russia provides about 10% of world supply. Um, The refining and shipping industry is reluctant to handle that crude. Um, This is partly because of the risk of actual or potential sanctions, but also because of restrictions on access to ports. So, for example, here in Britain, we even had dockers refusing to unload cargoes of, of Russian product. And of course, over the weekend, the US has been talking about a ban on the importation of Russian crude in concert with Europe. Now, clearly, that's a much bigger deal for Europe than it is from the US. The US don't actually use that much uh, Russian crude. Um, So they may have to go it alone, at least to begin with, while uh, Europe operates a sort of phased approach to trying to wean itself off Russian crude. But um, the reality is that this this situation now is becoming a bit like COVID, except the other way around. So rather than having a massive disruption to demand, we have a massive disruption to supply, um, albeit without there being any physical change to, to limit Russian supply. And to what extent is this rally caused by speculators? Well, I think we can dispel that myth. I mean, certainly there, there, there will be speculative activity around this, but there's clear evidence of actual dislocation in the physical market. Um, So I'll give you a a few examples. So firstly, Russian crude is trading at a substantial discount to Brent, clearly because of the reluctance to buy Russian crude. Secondly, we have uh, dramatic increases in tanker freight rates because, uh, again, the the market does not want to deal with the Russian flagged vessels. That sort of switches that shifts them out of the market to some extent. And then trade flows are being disrupted by refiners looking for non-Russian crude. And then where does this Russian crude go and having to go to longer routes to Asia, whereas it might usually go to Europe and so on. We're also seeing very sharp increases in the premium of uh, things like jet fuel and diesel prices over Brent. So, I mean, they they usually trade at a premium, but they're now extraordinary levels. And we're also seeing falls in the price of heavy crude, such as Dubai Sour, um, relative to light crudes like Brent. And this is because of, uh, well, one of the reasons anyway, is because of the high cost of hydrogen, which is derived from natural gas, Natural gas is at incredibly high prices and hydrogen is important for in the refining of heavy crude. So when hydrogen becomes very expensive, then the price of those heavy crudes have to drop relative to the light crudes to, to pay for that cost. There's real disruption in the physical market going on here. OPEC met last week but agreed to increase output by only 400,000 barrels per day. What was their view on all of this? <laughs> well, they, they just didn't discuss it. I mean, it's extraordinary. The, uh, apparently, the Mexican energy minister brought the subject up, the Ukraine crisis in the meeting, but they, they just moved on to other things. And, and in the press release, it's, it talked about, uh, um, you know, they noted that there was some things going on, um, but they said that the consensus pointed to a well-balanced oil market and that the current volatility is not caused by changes in market fundamentals, but is actually just a sort of geopolitical thing. But I think the reality is it, it, it's possible really for OPEC Plus to uh, to have a, an objective discussion about what's going on in Ukraine when um, Russia, of course, is a member of that organization. And, and uh, there's Saudi Arabia in particular, um, I, I think what you know, wants to avoid the topics, so they're continuing to try and sit on the fence over this crisis and uh, avoid taking sight. But clearly, they're under intense pressure from consumers and particularly the US. And we've also heard over the weekend that uh, Biden is potentially going to visit Saudi Arabia, amongst other things, of course, to talk about 
why they can't produce more oil. Obviously, though, from the Russian point of view, the last thing Putin will want is the Saudis to come in and add extra barrels to the market and really steal market share from Russia at this time. If the Saudis do increase output, I think uh, Putin will see that as really the ultimate in backstabbing. Uh, and that would probably lead to an end to the recent trend we've had of uh, growing Saudi-Russian cooperation, probably to OPEC plus itself. So it's a very difficult uh, situation for the Saudis. And has there been any news on the Iran deal? Well, this is one ray of hope, I think, for oil consumers. Um, and that is over the weekend, Iran did reach an agreement with the International en- Atomic Energy uh, Agency about how historic nuclear activities are treated. And that this has been one of the main obstacles, not the only obstacle, but one of the main obstacles to prevent a deal from happening. Clearly, that that's the possibility of that deal is still very much alive. Um, that could bring a million barrels per day of additional production to the markets, as well as uh, the possibility of uh, release of about 50 million or more of uh, barrels of uh, Iranian crude that's in storage. Now, clearly, that doesn't substitute the 10 million also barrels per day of Russian crude, but it it certainly helps. Uh, And I think it's also notable that uh, the US have been in touch with Venezuela about the state of the market. Now, that's another country that's subject to US sanctions. Um, So clearly, the the market is now in a state where the US, I think, are prepared to be flexible. So I think all of this does increase the chance of an Iran deal being done. Where might the market go from here? Well, the moves have obviously been incredibly rapid, so it's it's very hard to to rationalise really and to think in about what's what could happen next. From a technical point of view, of course, the high we had uh, this morning of one hundred and thirty nine point one three dollars per barrel is the highest Brent's trade since the all time high back in two thousand and eight when we got to one hundred and forty seven and a half dollars per barrel. Um, so that we don't really get a lot of pointers from the from a technical point of view from the way the markets has moved recently because it has been so so rapid. Now it's worth noting though that the back in 2008 the market was only over $140 per barrel for a few weeks, uh, and the, the the rally we've seen recently is very very sensitive to any signs of a political solution to to the Ukraine crisis. I mean obviously that. That does not seem very likely at the moment, but of course the worst things get. And let's not forget that uh, that oil prices, energy prices are incredibly important for for the world economy. So these are real serious issues for comp- for countries all all around the world. And so this will increase, as well as of course the terrible pictures that we're all seeing on our television screens. The this will increase the pressure and the emphasis on trying to find political solutions. And if something like that does come, then I think we could see that the rally could reverse quite quickly. But if that doesn't happen, then we're into the question of, well, at what level and how quickly does demand fall off to um, just some Russian crude coming out of the market? Uh, and and it's, it's, that's an extremely hard question to answer at the moment, I think. Thank you, Callum. We'll chat again next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Investec's Weekly Energy Update with Callum McPherson. If you'd like to discuss any of the contents of the podcast, drop Callum an email on callum.mcpherson at investec.co.uk or visit investec.com forward slash commodities. Until next time, thank you.